Welcome to Editing Aloud with some of South Africa's top journalists explaining the events of the week. Um, panel, this week we had the collapse essentially of uh, VBS Bank. Uh, it's been one of the big stories um, and it's created a lot of backlash on social media platforms as if Twitter was a reasonable place to live. Um, I suppose just to get start, start off with, Hilary, can you explain what actually happened? What actually happened to VBS? Who is it and, and what went down? VBS is the old vendor building society, so a real homeland legacy there, which had chosen to incorporate itself as a mutual bank at some point, so not a fully licensed bank, which is material to the story. And um, over the last three years, as has grown incredibly rapidly on the back of taking mainly municipal deposits. Now, as a mutual bank, it's not allowed to take municipal deposits. And municipalities are not, in fact, allowed to put their money there in terms of the municipal legislation. So they had been warned. Um, and there are two sort of separate sets of issues. The one is the Treasury's issue with municipalities telling them it was illegal. And the other is the Reserve Bank's issue, which is that they were taking an absolutely excessive amount of risk. In other words, depending on a few large lumpy deposits from municipal funders who, in addition, were illegal um, for this very fast growth in, in their loan book. Now, what's interesting about the story this is ba the bank, remember, that made a ho granted Jacob Zuma a home loan to cover the costs of Nkandla. What's interesting about the story is that they seem to have carried on um, doing what they were warned not to do with absolute impunity through last year. Um, and the, the feeling is uh, that they, were, they did this because they felt they had political cover. So, for example, they were warned, uh, municipalities were warned not to put their money there. Um, in August by the Treasury. Um, between August and December, the number of municipalities banking with VBS went from 13 to 21. So in other words, this is a story of, I suppose we will find out whether it was dodgy, fraudulent, or just mismanaged, very, very poor banking management. But that it was very poor banking risk management, there's no question mm. of. And as happens with most banks that manage their risk very, very poorly, eventually depositors started pulling their, mans, their money, um, the bank had no cash to meet those payments. Um, the shareholders, interestingly, would not help. They were approached by the Reserve Bank for a bailout. They refused to put any more money in. And the, the bank was put into curatorship on Sunday by the Reserve Bank. Uh, Tim Cohen, I mean, this is a case of, of a bank not handling itself very well at all. How did it act illegally? How did it think it could act illegally for so long and assume that it wouldn't, it wouldn't cause any problems? Hillary talks of political cover. Was that from the Jacob Zuma loan? Why, why did it believe it could do this? Y yeah, well, we don't know for a fact. Um, the, uh, but we, you know, we have a lot of circumstantial evidence, as Hillary was talking about. Um, so basically, I think you know, they did the South African thing, which is you know, they relied on this nebulous thing called c connectivity. If you've got connectivity, you're fine. You can do what you want. You know, the laws are you know, just uh, um, guides, essentially, to the... Uh, um, and it really came badly unstuck. Ironically, it came unstuck because one of the municipalities, uh, you know, um, asked for, uh, you know, withdrew their deposits. Um, and as soon as th th that happened, and uh, the bank couldn't cover the uh, the withdrawal, um, it triggered on the, you know, the national legislation on the, I mean, on the national payment system. Um, and uh, then from that point on, the Reserve Bank was, you know, had to become involved. Um, so you know the the so having you you can sort of one of the the indications that it was that this was a uh, 
um, that you know it was relying on connectivity was that as soon as the the bank was um, you know put into curatorship by the Reserve Bank, uh, there was an outrage on Twitter about you know the a black bank you know has been um, you know uh, has been uh, you know uh, closed by the uh, by the Reserve Bank, which is, you know, they really didn't have any choice, you know. But and I think um, it's also important to realise that when something like this happens, it's always the last resort for the Reserve Bank. The Reserve Bank would have been working with these guys or trying to work with these guys for months and, and, and was saying, your business model is not sustainable. You're taking mm -hmm. too much risk. You've got to do something about it. And they were making promises that they were going to change their model, they were going to get other sources of funding and so on. So behind the scenes, which we didn't know about at the time, was was a whole process of engagement and these guys do seem to have either they were such bad bankers that they didn't even get it or they just took no notice mm. until things really came unstuck and it has on Twitter as you say and and in fact even even from sort of political parties such as the EFF and from the labor movement because uh, be, been the Reserve Bank's been accused of sort of sinking it because it was a black bank. In fact, it sunk because it was a bad bank, not because it was a black bank. But Ron, what, Ron Darby, what do you think is the reason for the fact that so many people just don't understand the model, the way banking is supposed to work? And I suppose the disconnect in this case between what a bank is supposed to do and what it did. I mean, I think the key issue is when people are looking for a black bank, what exactly, how will it operate differently from supposedly a white bank? I think mm. banks are banks, they do the same thing, lend out money, interest rates. So people, I guess they suspect a black bank will be friendlier to, to me, for, for instance, but, but it has, has to make money in some way, in, in some form. So that means it will act generally like a normal bank. So, I mean, with, with this bank, I, ca I, oh, I can only see the whole the, the Zoom connect, right? Because uh, Prasa, I mean, it was uh, a month ago, Sunday Times had a front page story saying Prasa was being pressured to put a billion rand into VBS. And well, now see why. Yeah, <laughs> now you, now you yeah, see yeah. why. And, 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 th and then had a, th was uh, headed by the former Transport Minister, Joel, which, uh, who was left, who was kicked out by mm. Ramaphosa, who was a clear Zumalaki, and his chief advisor was Dutu Mieni. So you can see then that this is like VBS. As, as, soo as soon as the bank started, started cutting services to p uh, people, uh, politically, uh, what's that term? Politically exposed individuals. Yes, yes, yes. Politically When I saw Jimmy Maini, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Maini talking about this. It was clear to me, okay, Clearly, for you banked when you have Tutugile Zuma's, uh, Zuma, Zuma's daughter having a credit card, VBS credit card on Twitter, tell, told me that perhaps this bank saw a chance, like, just like Bank of Baroda said, okay, we'll bank the Guptas. Yes. I'm, I suspect this bank just banked those particular faction of, of Zuma which were exposed. So hence, the noise came from that faction in particular. I don't know why EFF is jumping into the lot and talking about black banks, but which is a bad bank that was going into uh, retail banking, a place they had never been before. They weren't supposed to be in that, in that area, and I think that's why they were just really exposed. And you can see the political uh, 18 months or so. What is staggering is, is you're meant to be a, a fit and proper person yeah. to run a bank, yeah. and yet these guys were knowingly breaking the law yeah. for years, yeah. and then had the chutzpah to complain about it when they were caught. <laughs> I mean, how is it that you as a banker think it's legitimate to break the law for so many years? How do you... How do you reconcile? I mean this bank just made a, a million rand profit was it four years ago, some, like uh, two years ago. So it tells this bank has been long in trouble. Uh, now it's come to this point. Hilary, I was going to ask. I think one of the problems is, is one of the issues that is that it was a mutual bank, and mutual mm. banks are more likely what regulate. What is a mutual bank? Compared a mutual to a bank, bank is 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 a sort of. It used, it ca they came out of the old idea of mutuals, which was sort of almost partnerships. But in fact, now it's it's a sort of a lower 
grade of bank. It's mm. meant for small cooperative type banks. Mm. It's not meant for big lumpy municipal deposits. Um, and it is, mutuals are more lightly regulated than are fully licensed commercial banks, which is why municipalities are not allowed to put their deposits with, with mutual banks. But I mean, it's a inherently could be a promising sort of structure for smaller banks, um, you know, community smaller banks to, to set up shop. And, and, and so one shouldn't write off the model. But it is true that in this case, it's th it was more likely regulated than a full-on commercial bank would have been. Um, and belatedly, and it shouldn't have been taking in the kind of business that it was taking in, and belatedly it did apply for a banking license, a full banking license, but that was actually last week, as it turned out. Yes. I mean, Tim, Tim, I mean, one of the issues is that Hillary wrote about it quite cogently in, in the Business Day, uh, which is the publication you have in front of you that you might know. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes, this one. Oh, yeah. But, but <laughs> I mean, she talked about how the fact is it's not just black banks who fail. It's essentially in 2002, we had the entire second-tier banking system go down. Mm, we yes. had Sambo go down, uh, PSG Investment Bank, Breit Bank, uh, AMB Regal Holdings. Mm. Yeah, Regal well, Treasury, which, which, you know, was classic. for actual fraud. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, so, so the perception that just black banks are treated harshly by the regulators is that supported by the fact that, that by the evidence? No, I mean, w you know, it's hard, uh, it's hard to do this, but if you're trying to read into the minds of the people who are uh, you, you are complaining about what the Reserve Bank did here, um, they they are they are their argument is that the um, that the Reserve Bank should have done more uh, to support it um, and keep it in business and keep it going. That was their. Um, but you know, I just don't think that the Reserve Bank had a choice here because, as you say, you know, when 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 you're when you're, uh, w you know, when a bank breaks th the law, <laughs> then you know you're into a different ballgame. You know, then there's all kinds of liability that you, you know, uh, uh, that you're attracting towards the bank, and uh, um, the uh, no, I think the, I mean, I th think the Reserve Bank did the right thing. And we should remember whose money this is. I mean, not yes. just VBS, but every other bank. The money belongs to us. <laughs> In, mm. in the case of VBS, the money belonged to municipalities, the deposits, and to mm. an orphan's fund, if you look at Business Day's front page today, um, a, a, pension, a, a pension fund which was mm. for widows and orphans of mine workers. Yeah. This is your money and mine that banks lot. are looking after. And that is or why they have to be so, or maybe. not mm. looking after as the case may be. And that is why they have to be so tightly regulated. And, and depositors could really lose money in this case, and a lot of them are stock fills and black individuals. But isn't, but isn't like it money. tells you what, like, no, no, normally an African bank is in about a collapse and there's all kind of, uh, fear about stability, there'll be a run on the bank. There's no run on, in, on VBS. It tells you, like, exactly when you say it's a black bank, so how many black customers did VBS have in its existence, right? Like, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's, it really, I, I think it was yeah. really just a pocket for a few select individuals to get access to banking who were barred from the apps and the like, especially uh, with the Gupta noise. And, and they, unfortunately, they bang loud drums on Twitter and have huge followings and they st stir up this whole black bank narrative. And here we are discussing black banks as an issue where, in truth, like, there's a black uh, managed bank in Santa Bank. You know, it's big, mm. uh, it is for pressure on some shovel out to, to lend more to black people or something like that. There's a black managed bank, if you want to have that argument. But black show, uh, it's just, yeah, it's kind of irritating the whole one of the I did have this. a couple of high profile clients. One of them was somebody called Jacob Zuma, who borrowed, um, I think it was 9.7 million from them or so something yeah. around that, to repay his loans for or his debt for Encumbia. Yeah. Which, which no which other commercial bank would have given to a 75 year old man. 
was paid off over 20 years. With and a patchy credit history. No patchy credit <laughs> like and frankly, just exactly. in case he's wondering, the curator will still demand that yes. he yes, service yes, that yes, loan. Yes, yes, yes. And if BBS <laughs> customers think that they not, don't have to pay their loans, they absolutely do. Yes. In fact, if they don't, um, and that's one of the fears one always has with curatorships, that the curator goes in and finds that the loans are bad too. Mm. Um, and of course, if those loans are bad, then there's nothing with which to you know, meet the, uh, to pay the, the depositors. The shareholders are bound to lose mm. their money. But you know, I, I, I think for but all that this, single we do loan, have a... That yeah, single Zoom that loan single was equal loan. to twice their profit for 2016. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the profit was yeah. 4.5 million or something, and they mm. lent double that to Jacob Zuma for political cover, mm. which is a high price I'm to pay for political cover. I'm always soft on PIC, but I kind of like, oh, okay, Dan Majil is a bit. But again, here we are, PIC, 20, 21%, again, a bad, like, 27, why, mm. the, uh, 27, why, mm. like, so Majila, I guess he, he collapsed the chi uh, CIO position, right, and put it back in the CEO's office, so I guess the only person to argue to get Daniel Majila, yeah, the CEO of the PIC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Um, the other thing is that Jacob Zuma, um. the very person who we're talking about getting a loan from VBS, it might or might not be a bad loan, we'll have to see. <laughs> um, this week it emerged that he'd actually spent 15.3 million of taxpayers' money fighting the spy tapes case, fighting to avoid prosecution. I think that's a figure that should outrage the public, do you not think, Tim? Yeah, I mean, this, this is a really bizarre situation where, you know, in most court cases, um, you, you, you know, it's a gamble to go to court. Um, and because it's a, because you're paying so much for the for for just being there, um, you know it's a kind of impediment on uh, on frivolous. on crazy frivolous. attempts, frivolous. Fri frivolous attempts to uh, um, to you know just see whether or not you can find a judge who comes to a different conclusion. You know the uh, um, so it's a very high stakes game. Um, but you know for government for for a lot of government people, th there's no disincentive. Because you're not paying for the uh, for the legal defence, so your instruction to your legal defence is find something. <laughs> not mm. that it's not anyway, you know. But I mean, <laughs> the uh, uh, and that's why we've had so many frivolous cases, and that's why I mean, so you know, it is a trans, you know, it is a transfer of wealth, you know. Mm. Uh, um, but it's a transfer of wealth from taxpayers uh, to lawyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, well, we love lawyers. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, uh, so I mean I th I think he should have to pay that back. Yeah. Would that be unreasonable? And I mean for no, future, uh, is it possible? Would it be possible, guys, to put in some sort of model where if state functionaries mm. are running up big legal bills, there's some sort of transparency. Like if they get to five million, they have to start disclosing yeah. like how yeah. much is being spent mm. and mm. what it's and being uh, spent on. Even more than that, after you know everything after a certain uh, um, level is for your own account. Uh, what is intriguing is that is that Sir Ronald Pauzer's office confirmed to us this week that the state will also pay for Zuma's defence should he be criminally charged, which now seems likely. Mm. Um, yes. Which I suppose means that, but but the thing is uh, that that if he loses that case, then he will have to repay the money, which might indicate the VBS might have a whole lot more uh, dodgy I loans mean, on his books. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just to, we should make one point about VBS, and that is that depositors are, to a certain extent, protected. Um, up so to a certain so amount. Up to a certain amount, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, what is it? 50,000. 50, so yeah, small, yeah. very small retail depositors. Yeah, Look, yeah. I, think, I think we may not have a problem with, I mean, it's not a black bank problem, but, but South Africa traditionally has had a problem with small banks falling over. And there are some new small banks coming into the system, such as Discovery and Time. Mm. And... Um, it's about time we got some new dynamic small banks in the system. Uh, it would be even greater if they were black owned as well. But, but I think um, let's hope that the next crop of small banks will do better than the last crop. 
And that's the word from Hilary Joffe on banking. Join us after the break for more on other issues in the news. Welcome back to Editing Aloud. Panel, if there's one person who might deserve a person must go hashtag, it would be this person who's running SARS called Tom Mayani. Um, Tom Mayani has been there for a few years and has wreaked untold havoc at the place. Um, Hilary, your thoughts on, on why Tom Mayani should go? Can you give us a, a concise argument for why the man should not be in the position he is in? He should do a Malusi Gagaba and disappear from, from our eyesight. I think even Malusi Gigaba fell out with him in the end. Uh, look, what's disturbing actually is that Tomoyoni knows that he's going to go sooner or later. His contract is certainly not going to be renewed, that's for absolutely sure, and, and, and I really doubt he should be allowed to serve out his contract. So the disturbing thing that's been happening in the last couple of weeks is that he's obviously kind of going in for the kill knowing that he's soon going to be booted. So number one, we've had SARS awarding a whole bunch of contracts to debt collectors. Now, I may be wrong, but I'm not sure that SARS even needed debt collectors before. It's collected its own debts. Um, and one of those debt collectors turns out to be closely associated with um, the money laundering activities, allegedly, of one Jonas Makwakwa, who was suspended from SARS and then reinstated very controversially. Who was Tom Moyoni's deputy? Who was Tom Moyoni's deputy, in effect, yes. And still is. Yes, and so is now reinstated. So, and, and, the, and the Jonas Makwakwa whole saga has been, you know, is, is, has really been incredibly dodgily handled by Mr. Moyoni. So that's one whole set of activities in the last few weeks which are deeply disturbing and so it looks like he's trying to sort of place some contracts dodgily at the last minute before he gets booted up. The other reason is um, he's also launched into the former acting commissioner Ivan Pillay um, again for the supposed rogue unit kind of stuff also now at the last minute and of course the third reason the guy needs to go is that it is amply evident that SARS's collection capacity is, is sort of very, very compromised. That's mm. perhaps why they need the debt collectors. But in this case, am, am I wrong to think that what happened was Jonas McQuackor, people paid money into his account that were flagged as suspic suspicious transactions by the Financial Intelligence Center. And this is the, well, one of these depositors is one of the people who now have a contract with SARS. Tim, does that not close the circle to you? It seems like an obvious case of influence peddling, uh, to put it in a very nice way. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, uh, you, know, and, you know, one of the uncontested allegations or the one, one of the uh, in the inquiry one of the things that came up was um, was that uh, Jonas Makwakwa and his wife were, were stuffing enormous amounts of money into, uh, um, into ATM, <laughs> ATM machines which I always think looks bad you know what I mean <laughs> if you're you know even if you're a really nice person <laughs> if you're taking huge that then they had to go they had well to go to CNA for, for, more en for more envelopes because they ran out of envelopes. And they had CCTV really footage, so it looks yeah. even worse. <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 yes. I mean, who, who doesn't bring enough envelopes to put, you know... <laughs> <laughs> to an ATM stuffing to exercise. To an ATM stuffing exercise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we laugh about it, but it's very serious. I mean, the, uh, um, this is a, an, a really an absolute shocker. Uh, because, it, you know, it kills, I mean, you know, nobody likes paying tax. You know, this, uh, 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 this is a, a, a grudge action by 
everybody in society, from the biggest to the smallest. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, your tax authority has to be impeccable, impeccable, yep. um, because otherwise people just lose faith. They, wonder, they don't know why they are paying taxes. They get s suspicious about why they, you know, what will happen to their tax money, even though 99.9999% of it, you know, goes to into the right um, spot and so on. So, uh, it's, um, I, would, I would give uh, uh, both uh, um, of the, um, SARS officials a week at most are willing to McCockway bet. McCockwa and Moyani. Yeah, well, that'd yeah. be fantastic because, Ron, uh, the issue is, like Tim suggests, tax morality is down in this country. Yeah. Companies don't think they should be paying tax yeah. to a government like Jacob Zuma's in the past yeah. and certainly to an institution headed by someone like Tom Moyani yeah. who's clearly um, not using the money effectively and seems to be covering up corruption in the case of his deputy. Is that is that a correct way to look at it? Yeah, exactly. We're, we're in end of February we had Cyril acting when he did the whole cabinet reshuffle. I think this is another time where we have to see him again. Like you stop walking and doing these like, great PR events for the ANC and stuff, and come and act on with regards to SARS and, and make make a statement there. I mean, he's in charge of appointing uh, the commission in the first place, and I think. The head of SARS has to has to go. Tom Moyani, 65, his rich retirement age. His contract comes to an end is it next year somewhat. There's no no point. Pay much. He has to go to get that whole the confidence really back into breathing into the system. And I think it's the last peg to do. Just get yeah, it yeah. And, Why? and we've got and we've got now an example of how to do it because. Mm. Uh, you know, Trump has fired his foreign minister by tweets. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Ron, why, why has Ramaphosa delayed firing Tom Moyani? What's the rationale for that? Uh, no, on this one, I don't know. I mean, maybe getting Nene to settle in uh, as a new finance minister. But this was the call. I mean, and Nene spoke about tax morality, so he's put it out there. And it's also been loads to mention about any personality changes. But I mean, it's clear as they come. Like this is the um, in terms of getting Treasury right, getting the whole mm. all our confidence like. In, in, in line, this is the last thing. It is SARS, and that's where you have to go in there. Especially in a country like this, right? That's going to need. It's be struggling for another year or two. This is the one place that you need to start. SARS so is a big fiscal risk. Yeah, guys, and, who and could, who could all replace? All the evidence is that 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 you that it's that the undercollection on mm. tax, which mm. we've seen in the last two three years, is not just about the economy at mm. all. Yeah. It's about the decline in SARS's own administrative efficiency, and as a result, linked to that. In tax morality, because why would anyone want to pay yeah. tax to these people? So, so I mean, this this panel of geniuses we have here. I mean, <laughs> who would be best to take over SARS? Who well, would I could think do a great my job? nomination would be Ivan Pillay, because then Ivan Pillay could decide whether or not to prosecute himself, <laughs> 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 which is always the you know the best. Uh, what about Jonas? Outcome. What about Jonas? <laughs> what about? I mean, well, who's going to be the administrator person? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the great thing about Praveen Gordon when he when he ran the he's he. Totally turned around, transformed revenue collection in South Africa. He ran this incredibly tight ship for however many years it was, a dozen years. Um, but he was an ad he was an incredibly good administrator with a good political sort of strategic set. You c you don't want a politician running it. Yeah. You want a chief exec commissioner person who is really really good at running a large tax authority. I just put a judge authority. there. I just put a judge there. They don't also don't uh, know like how to run fifty or like yeah. and almost and then almost like the CEO be a more like strong. But get someone just like. Some like the position they had to get someone of that uh, we, we all have faith in and just get a CEO to run the operations below them. Mm -hmm. well so the next Dennis Davis. Dennis Davis. Yeah, yeah. So is the that next where you were going? <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't think I don't think he's the right person, yeah. but he's a he's a legal person. Mm. You yeah. need a seriously good 
um, strategic kind of administrator, yeah. not a politician, yeah, not a with a that. political sense, but yeah. not a judge, not a lawyer, not, not a politician, someone who no knows like how to run a revenue authority of yeah. fifteen thousand people. And I think, and and of course has stature because. You know, I mean, in any other country, even if, if, if Moyani were pure as the driven snow, his reputation is so compromised, he should have stepped down. So do you think now that then um, that, that Nflantla Nene or Sir Ramposa should, should fire Tom Moyani via Twitter like Donald Trump did, did this week to, to Rex Tillerson? Um, guys, I think we have, we have some footage that, that would be instructive on Donald Trump speaking this week. I've worked with Mike Pompeo now for quite some time. Tremendous energy, tremendous intellect. We're always on the same wavelength. Uh, the relationship has been very good, and uh, that's what I need as Secretary of State. Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we, we got along actually quite well, but we disagreed on things. When you look at uh, the Iran deal. I think it's terrible. I guess he put it was okay. <laughs> so, uh, so is that the treatment that Tomayani should get, Hillary? Do you think that that's that's what's needed? I mean, how is this man running a country? I mean, if if that was our currency, the rand, it would be at you know, twenty five. <laughs> 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 kind of about the only thing that can sometimes make you feel better about the kind of huge structural problems that South Africa faces. Is that some other countries are just uh, run by lunatics? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but you know, the, w the weird thing uh, is that uh, you know, uh, it's not as though uh, Rex Tillerson was, you know, some kind of butterfly from you know he came he from Exxon Mobil. You know what I mean? I mean, the uh, uh, so it's it's disturbing that Trump can't see eye to eye with you know the, with the, the head of an enormous oil company you know that's, that's and a kind of unraveling shocking. unraveling foreign policy which is I mean he's got he, that he sort of quite carefully put yeah. in place foreign policy for example on Iran and as for North Korea yes. he's kind of running his own show there completely with no regard to the status of the US in the world or what the implications of these kinds of like off the cuff decisions are no yeah. one actually Twitter. didn't want to listen to remind him that this wasn't very rational so, so Ron do you think I mean what is the prospect for the dollar, how should we think about the rand versus the dollar in, in the context of a country that's run like that? You now, they've always said like the, the dollar should be in a pay for strengthening. There's four rate hikes expected next week, but as long as Trump is there, I was, Trump is not a man for a strong U.S. dollar. He's not going to strengthen the U.S. dollar. So I think the rand should. Well, I mean, they, they all raise rates uh, next week or somewhere about twenty whatever points they do in the states. But I think the dollar will be on the back foot for a long time, just for given these trade wars and so on and that, and the, the rand is set for a good season. I mean, it's, he's a terrible president for, for the U.S. dollar. And I, I think actually he kind of benefits from a, from a weak dollar, uh, given his pension for property and so on. So I think it's a weak dollar under Trump. I, I can't see a strong dollar under mm -hmm. his, uh, under his uh, term as president. So Tim, do we, do we, do we short Rand hedge stocks now and just buy local shares? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a factor. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't think it's a... Mm. I don't think that the... You know, the, the U.S. Uh, system is still very, f uh, you know, he, he, the president is not the only, you know, force in, obviously in uh, U.S. politics. So, uh, so, um, you know, I didn't foresee, you know, sort of major disasters or anything. So, I don't think the dollars can really, um, y you know, going to make m big moves. But the uh, the point is that it was, y you know, y your anticipation that it was going to uh, strengthen as the interest rates, as American interest rates increased. Um, that I think is off the table now. 
Guys, um, you've heard it here first. Join us next week for some more great insights on editing aloud.